Welcome to the Winner Circle with Derek Pang. On this podcast, I'll be introducing you to real-world heroes who have stepped outside their safe, known worlds to pursue and live their win, their best lives. This is a choice we all get to make. The intention behind these conversations is to inspire you to move forward with greater faith, trust, and belief in yourself on your hero's journey ahead. Let's go, hero. All right, we're live, and I'm very excited to introduce you to today's guest. On today's episode, I interview professional belly dancer and director of Toronto-based Abundance Belly Dance Academy. Welcome to the Winner Circle, Gabriella Carnavalli. Thank you so much. Hi, Derek. It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to have you on the show. And um, you've listened to a few episodes you mentioned. And what I try to do with the show is introduce a lot of positivity and good vibes. There's a lot of negativity going on in the world right now. Yeah. So let's start this off on a positive note. Gabriella, what do you love about your world right now? I love so many things. <laughs> um, I would say I love the love that I see everywhere. Um, communities, people coming together, conversations, small acts of kindness, nature. I, I see love and loving acts everywhere. So I think that's like one of my favorite things. <laughs> That's great. So define love. What does love mean to you? Mm, That's a good question. Uh, I feel like love is everything. I, I see it as a, um, it's, it's everywhere. Sometimes we, we kind of capture love in just one situation and I feel like it can be found everywhere and it's like a I'm not sure if force is the right word but like a creative power um that just brings everything to life and adds so much more beauty to everything in the world mm-hmm. so you and I have connected through Aubrey Marcus's go for your win course and a yeah. big part of that course was knowing your mission, just as all companies have a mission, we have individuals ought to have missions ourselves, missions that guide our professional lives, our personal lives and everywhere in between. And our mission is always changing, but it's important to know what your mission is so that we can be best of service to ourselves and in turn the world. Gabriella, what's your mission? Yes, my mission is to bring joy to others That is my biggest mission. The way I do that is mainly through dance. So the base is bringing joy. And through that joy, I also want to bring inspiration to others to go for their dreams and just um, create the life that they want and express themselves in creative ways. Mm -hmm. So the course was called Go For Your Win. And my big takeaway from the course is... It's all about the process. We live in a very destination-oriented society. When I get this job, when I get this relationship, when I get this house, when I get this, et cetera, I'll be happy. And then we get there and it's maybe there's a momentary pleasure and then it's like, oh, now what? Um, It's because we forgot the process, the journey. That's where all the sweetness, that's where all the melodies lie. 
Um, what does going for your win mean to you, Gabriella? And what does your win look like for you today? Going for my win is part of embodying and living my mission. So if my mission is to bring joy, it's embodying joy, you know? Um, so going for my win is just working in a joyful way, working in a loving way, uh, interacting in a joyful and loving way with others, uh, especially loving, joyful, you know, it can fluctuate, but um, I think my tendency is always to go there. And um, so that's what, I mean, going for my win looks like, like you said, enjoying the process and not mm -hmm. just focusing, understanding that every step of the process has a meaning to it. And there's a lot that we can actually get from it. So sometimes we kind of just want to get to that like final win and we forget about all the like wins that we actually have right now. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot. So I guess my win for me currently looks like doing what I love and allowing myself to do what I love more and more every single day. Mm -hmm. And what is that that you love? I love belly dancing. That's like huge for me. <laughs> um, so I really, really love expressing myself through art, any like artistic ways. So for me, the strongest one has been belly dancing, um, also writing. So those two are huge in, I guess, like the career aspect and then in more like the relationship aspects. I just love being surrounded by great people, having these kind of awesome conversations and like um, honest and intense connections with others. That's so great. So, so often um, we don't take time to acknowledge our wins and celebrate our victories. And so as the viewers get to know you, let's do that let's examine some of your biggest wins what are some accomplishments you are most proud of um that's great first of all i think it's super important for everyone to celebrate their wins like no matter how big or small and i think for me it's been a big practice especially the last couple of years to actually like look back and look right now at this present moment and say hey i'm doing this i'm doing that this is awesome um, so I think for me, the biggest one was definitely allowing myself to do what I love as a career. I had a lot of resistance towards that and like just leaving that resistance and being like, hey, this is what I feel like I'm here on earth to do. And I'm going to allow myself to actually do that and not, you know, let other let my mind trick me into believing something that is just not true in my heart. That is, I think, to me, the biggest win that I've had. And that comes in many ways, like, you know, performing regularly, not right now, but um, uh, that's basically what I do and having my studio and connecting with people that also love what they do. I think that's huge. Um, I also feel like I've built a very solid and great group of friends around me. So I'm super happy about that as well. Mm hmm. So let's trace back to the origin stories of these wins. Um, you're a professional belly dancer and you're the director of Abundance Belly Dance Academy based in Toronto. So how did you get there? You just didn't all of a sudden become a <laughs> professional belly dancer, all of a sudden become a director of a no. dance studio. So how <laughs> did you get there? We'll, we'll take a look back at your origin story. You can go back as far as you feel relevant. Okay, awesome. So. 
I started, I feel like I've always had an interest in dancing since I was really small. I did some ballet when I was little, but I didn't feel adequate to dance. Like there was this feeling inside of me that was like, mm, you're not, you know, like you're not the dancer type. <laughs> um, that was my message. And when I was 14, I... I went to a concert actually to see Shakira and she was belly dancing and I, I was interested. I was like, oh, I should try this out. And from the moment that I started, like the first few classes, I just knew it was something different in my life. And like, I just fell in love with it and, and I never stopped <laughs> ever since. But um, I think I, I really had to work on my mindset and that's a big reason why I believe I chose belly dance or belly dance chose me it's because it's the one activity that is going to make me just break all break free from all these mental barriers that I was putting around myself um I feel like with other activities or, or career paths that I could have chosen maybe I wouldn't have to face it all with belly dance I feel like it all comes, you know, <laughs> in, in different ways, but it's definitely allowed me to break through like a whole bunch of limiting beliefs, starting from when I, you know, finished high school, basically, I, I was always a very, very good student. So there was a lot of expectation on me to become like a doctor, or a scientist or something, you know, like that. And I went to university for six months. And I, I left and I was like, no, this is not for me. <laughs> like, and I was, I, I had like a very high GPA, like I was doing everything I was supposed to do and kind of living by the books in so many ways. But my calling and my passion for dance was stronger. And I, it, it took a while um, to actually work as a belly dancer, I kind of went gradually into it. I feel like I was going through different levels of being ready for it, you know, like as I was um, making my beliefs a little more positive, taking more like positive action in my own life, then the results started to come. So it's been a very like gradual process. It, it definitely accelerated quite a bit the last maybe two, three years. But leading up to there, it was just, you know, practicing, 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 and not seeing any results in, you know, in work, <laughs> and um, having a lot of people just, you know, maybe say you're wasting your time, like you're meant to do so many other great things. And just like, and me believing that I think I, I was at the time attracting those kind of people by my own belief. I, I really do um, see it that way now. So um, I felt like just surrounded by, you know, uh, a group of people that kept telling me, why don't you study this instead? Why don't you do that instead? What? And like, in my heart, I was like, no, <laughs> like, I can't, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but that was part of me not allowing myself to fully step into belly dance. Like I was also teaching fitness at the time because I did a short course to teach Pilates and have like a plan B, you know? Um, so I was doing that. And until I didn't, like in 2019, I just said, that's it. I went gradual, like I mentioned. So I started, 
I was teaching some fitness and doing belly dance. And then when they kind of, you know, I was ready to take the jump, I jumped. And once I jumped, the opportunity for the studio came. Like I went from maybe having like four shows, five shows a month to having having like 25 shows a month. Like it, it just, it was great. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the universe is really uh, ready to, to provide once we are ready to receive. Absolutely. So how did you hold strong um, when you were having all these naysayers telling you, oh, like you shouldn't pursue belly dance. You should switch jobs like your circle, your family, your friends. How did you counteract that negative force that was trying to hold you back? Um, I didn't I didn't always hold strong, to be honest. I had a lot of like, you know, crying and feeling frustrated and feeling unworthy and just feeling misunderstood like I went through a lot of that too but there were a few people like a few friends that have been there for me in situations where I was like I don't know what to do should I quit and they were like are you crazy you're gonna quit because like this person is telling you to quit like no it's your dream you know and um I'm so blessed to have had that in in one way um and then just the I feel like the passion the love was really calling me I think in a way it was you know like source or the universe way of like pulling me towards it was like yeah forget about them like you're coming here girl you know so (laughs) um that's almost how it felt for me I didn't have a strong belief in anything at the time like when I was just starting especially so I didn't have like a spiritual practice or something I can hold on to, but I really started to need that again. Like it's just feeling pulled to more love. And I really started to feel pulled towards that a couple of years ago when I wanted to make this big jump. And that has really like supported me just meditation, knowing that I'm supported, knowing that it's not just me wanting this belly dance career for me. It's like me and the whole universe saying you go. (laughs) Um, So that has been a big, big support system for me. Mm -hmm. You've had to overcome a lot of fear um, throughout this path. Um, First, well, first, even going into your first belly dance class, um, seeing Shakira on stage and thinking, yeah, I want to try that as well. I'm sure a lot of people would have resistance. Oh, I don't know if I could do that. She's so good. Like, I can't be that good. So like, that's one fear that I think you overcame. Um, Leaving university is another fear um, that you overcame. Not listening to your friends and family telling you to pursue another path. And then opening a dance studio. Those are all fears you overcame. So let's talk about the process of overcoming fear. How did you do that? Um, Okay, so I would suggest strengthening your faith in whatever you can hold on to. Like everyone is in different journeys and different paths, has different belief systems. But if you could just have faith in one thing, I think for me, before I had this like, meditative process and everything my faith was in my dance like I just felt so much love there that I I felt like that passion for it couldn't be just a coincidence like just something I can ignore so um that really helped me overcome the fear 
um, having that belief in that this is this is something I love and love is you know always bringing beautiful things into the world so there must be something there um, once I started to have more of like a meditative practice and like a spiritual connection I think a lot of overcoming my fear came from um, trusting like I said that it's not I, I have this mantra before I dance, I always say source dance through me because I really believe that it's not just me wanting to birth like this belly dance uh, thing into the world, like the studio or the show or whatever I'm bringing. I don't believe it's just me. I think there's like source or just the universe, like this power, this creative power just flowing through me when I'm doing that. So um, it lessens the fear but <laughs> there's still fear. And, um, and I, I think it's expecting us to never feel fear again, or just be like, oh, I'm, you know, that's it. I conquered like five fears. So the next one, like piece of cake, no. <laughs> um, but it is a practice. Like once you start to have that trust in yourself and in uh, greater power, or greater energy, or even your practice, um, it really, really helps. And also communicating, like having open and honest conversations with other people that are doing things that they love. Um, watching a lot of people help me as well, just even if I don't know them, but maybe reading their stories or watching their videos, people who overcame their own fears and kind of gave that jump and, and ended up like flying in their dreams. So <laughs> that was, that helped me too. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you have to a hero on their journey right now at the edge of that path, that crossroads of should and must, and they're stuck in their place of should, should, shoulds, when their heart is calling them to the must, what would you whisper in their ear? I would whisper, follow your heart for sure. But also from my process and from a I guess the way that I've experienced it is listen to you like truly follow your heart so sometimes your heart is telling you like just give the next step you know because a lot of times we feel like okay I'm in this journey I have to leave it all behind like all of it and turn into this person and it's like no you just have to like do this like shift a tiny bit in the direction of what you want and then you're going to gather more momentum. You're going to gather more strength. You're going to notice how, you know, synchronicities start happening. The right people start showing up. Everything kind of aligns. So what I would say is follow your heart. Like really listen to it. It's telling you that you want this. You don't want to follow the should, should, should. But if the path, you know, it doesn't mean you have to quit your job today and like jump full time into this when you're like in debt or whatever. No, you can plan it, you know, you can have a bit of a, like a support or whatever makes you feel, I wouldn't say comfortable because it, it's always going to be uncomfortable and, and it's going to push your boundaries. But um, whatever makes you feel more supported. And just like I said, like shift into the direction of what you want and start going there and keep your focus there. Even though initially mm -hmm. you might need to continue with some things from your present reality, just keep the focus to where you want to go. And eventually like that, that happens. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, Gabriella, what was the most recent fear you've overcome and what did that process look like? <laughs> um, okay, so the most recent one was filming a video by myself. It sounds so, um, it's funny because even when I say it out loud, compared to things that I've done, it sounds so small, but it really scared me. Um, I'm used to performing in front of like, as many people as you know I, I'm not intimidated like I, I'm not scared of performing in front of people now I had to film a video by myself like just put the camera put on a belly dance costume and film and I was terrified um and I was super scared like I just felt like I I what I prepared wouldn't be good enough like I didn't look good enough um, the quality of the video wouldn't be good enough. Like just all these um, thoughts of not being enough kept coming into my my world. So the way I overcame it <laughs> was a slow process. Um, initially, I tried setting a timeline, like, okay, you have to do it by this date. That did not work. So I <laughs> went more with a loving approach and I was like, okay, like you have, again, meditating on it. Um, really like pep talking myself, like being my own cheerleader, Um, you know, like every time I would get up and practice that choreography that I was going to film, like really exaggerate the celebration for that moment. You know, I think we're so used to exaggerating the punishment for when we do something that we don't consider right. Like, it's just a shift in mindset of doing the exact same thing for something you did that is pushing you towards what you want. So Every time I would practice the choreography, I would be like, yes, girl, like, good for you. Like, just really, really, really celebrating that within myself. And and I did it. And the day that I went, it was the same thing. It was like, you know, from the moment I left my apartment, I brought like a little suitcase with my costume and whatever. And I was like, look at you go. You're here, like walking through the snow with your suitcase, going to film your, like, just celebrating every single step. Um, it really gave me that power to overcome the fear. Mm-hmm. Thanks for, <laughs> yeah, go, go, no, go ahead. No, keep on going. Sorry. No, no. I think like that helps me. Um, the, the biggest form of resistance that I tend to have is that feeling of not being enough, which is mixed with fear, but, um, kind of like really talking to myself in a loving way and acknowledging like little things that I did to get to that moment really helps. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, this is just an example of putting in those reps and the more reps we have at facing those fears, that you, the next fear that you will encounter will just be a little bit easier. Yes. Um, so along the path, you've met many mentors and helpers along the way. So let's take a moment to acknowledge some notable mentors and helpers that you truly value? And what were your major takeaways that you learned from them that you've incorporated into your life? Yes, that's a great question. So the first one is my grandmother. Um, My grandmother has been a supporter of what I do from day one. Like from the first day that I went to my belly dance class, she acted as though like, I won a Nobel prize, you know? (laughs) She was so excited and um, her message has always been do what makes you happy and be happy and and like enjoy life and and she always meant it in a way you know like not 
irresponsibly or whatever, but just like really be happy, like focus on what is good for you, what makes you happy, what, um, you know, I was living in Argentina actually for 14 years. And when I decided to move back to Canada, a big part of it was because of my career. And obviously she was, you know, she would miss me and whatever, but her message was like, no matter what, if you believe that this is the next step for you to go for what you want, just do it. So she's definitely been my biggest mentor <laughs> an example. Um, and then I've had friends also. I have a few friends that I can, I can really like remember moments that they've just kind of told me the same message. Like you can do this, keep going, you got this. Um, and then I started, you know, more with the, I guess, uh, the books that I read and mentors that I haven't met in person. Wayne Dyer has been huge for me. And uh, Joe Dispenza, when I just started as well, his um, just like opening my mind to these new ideas that I'm not alone, that, you know, that I'm supported, that I have the power to change the way I think. And by changing the way I think, things in my life can actually change as well. That was super new for me. So I learned it mainly from them. Mm -hmm. So you're a teacher. Um, what are your key foundations to being a strong teacher? What is important to be a teacher and a helper to others? Um, I think transmitting that same belief to students is super important. Like having them understand that they can do it, helping them get over the frustration, especially, you know, beginners, there's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of like, I can't do this. Like it's been three classes and I can't do this. And, and really just guiding them through that, knowing that, you know, making them know that they'll be able to achieve it, that they can do it. I think that's the biggest part, like just patience with that frustration process that um, can naturally occur when you're learning a new skill is really big. Mm -hmm. And clarity also, that's something I, I work with quite a bit. Um, I mean, like I'm working on, I feel sometimes my instructions are not as clear as I would like to, but that's just a, you know, it's a work in progress, like making sure, um, yeah, there's clarity in what you're indicating and that kind of stuff. So they know exactly what to do and how they can get there. And just like being a guide, I think a solid guide is great. Smiling is also great. Like I literally tell them to smile <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I smile at them and like in, including laughter, including like moments of um, fun throughout the class is key. Nobody, mm -hmm. you know, wants to learn intention and like, again, it's, it's about enjoying the process, like we said, right? So yes, there's going to be frustration when you're trying to do a move and your body's not, you know, your brain is there, but your body's not reacting but let's have fun with it you know it's at the end of the day we're just we're dancing it's not like <laughs> you know um let's have fun the purpose of dance is to express to have fun so that is uh, that's big when i'm teaching as well so a goal with this podcast is to uplift inspire and empower and you're already doing that to many listeners just with telling your story but since we're talking about the people you teach i'd like you to talk about um a story that you could think of, of one of your students, an uplifting, inspiring, empowering uh, story from one of your students. 
that that okay. that really speaks to you. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about one um on like one of all my students are amazing. Minnie has been a student um of mine. She was my student not not anymore i guess since the pandemic but for a couple of years before that there was one move that she couldn't she just couldn't get it's called a shoulder shimmy and belly dance um she just couldn't get it like there was no she she kept like all the other moves were fine it took her nine months like nine months is um it's it's quite a while right like for one move to get one move especially in dance uh sometimes you know, takes a, it could take a few months, but it was, it was interesting because she was getting all the other moves. It's not like she wasn't making progress at all, but that move, like she was, she couldn't do it. She kept saying like, I just can't like, the, so we would try like, you know, placing her hands on the wall to see if that helped, or I would hold her hands, like just so many different techniques. And she ended up learning it. And it, it's like a story that we have <laughs> with each other <laughs> because um, it took her nine months. So imagine like nine months practicing a move that usually, you know, you can see people around you learn in like maybe five, six classes or whatever. And she overcame like together, I think we overcame like the frustration of not getting it just, you know, but she was always light about it, which I absolutely love about her. Like she was like, I'll get it, I'll get it. And I'm like, yes, like, let's keep going. And eventually she did. Mm -hmm. So again, the, like laughing, laughing, having fun through the process really helps as well. Mm -hmm. So the journey is not always fun. Um, there's a lot of challenges and temptations on the path to throw us off our course. Um, you've mentioned the pandemic being a challenge. So let's talk, start with that. Let's start about how the pandemic has been a challenge and we'll continue on to discuss other challenges on your journey. So yeah, how have you adapted? You, you're a dance teacher, you own a dance studio and the pandemic shut everything down. So how did you cope with the pandemic um, professionally and also personally? Yeah, um, so initially I remember like March last year, I started like I had a bunch of shows programmed because I, I also perform it's been <laughs> quite a while but um my main job was it was like divided between the studio and performing and all the shows started to get canceled like we can't open we can't open like everything was closing and then the studio and I'm like what's going on you know so um initially I had like I think maybe 10 days where I was a mess. Like I was just crying. I didn't know what to do. I missed my shows. I'm like, when am I going to go back? When am I going to go back to the studio? Like just, you know, being a little dramatic about it. <laughs> um, but I did take that time to kind of process the emotions and, and cry and go through them. And I started teaching online right away. So to keep the studio going, that was my way of, of, uh, of doing it. And it's definitely not the same but it really helped me throughout the whole pandemic to stay connected with my students, to continue dancing, to have, it's almost like, you know, I have something to look forward to, like just in a more of a routine way. So that was, that was good. That really helped me. The performance side was really a big hit in my identity almost because I realized how much of my identity was based on being a performer 
and how much like I was I was performing a lot like maybe five times a week um and I was living in like this constant performance high state that all of a sudden the downfall was um like I said it was it was intense for my identity just to recognize like okay who am I without performing who am I without you know people constantly praising that they love what I do or they you know whatever like um so it's been a great opportunity for me to answer that question you know like who am I without all of this like who am I without this external validation can I find that love within myself can I give that love to myself can I still enjoy performing dancing or performing for myself you know um and the answer to all of that was yes <laughs> like I can definitely enjoy it and I am worthy beyond uh just the you know being a performer or an entertainer but it really invited me to go deep into that and just to um, learn how to care for myself in better ways. I think I was also very focused on my work, very like in that masculine like energy of, you know, building career, getting clients, having the studio running, like just all of that. And I needed a bit of that like almost motherly care towards myself that was not being attended to and i feel like that really came out especially during the pandemic mm -hmm. thank you for sharing that so that's one challenge that you've had to overcome let's talk about some other challenges that you've encountered on your path and we will finish with your biggest challenge of them all i don't know what that is but let's save that for the end okay um i'll talk i guess maybe first i feel like my biggest challenge is mental so i'll go to that after Mm -hmm. um he, like a big challenge for me was i didn't know or I, I i felt stuck in not finding a way of taking care of my body again like just i felt like i wasn't good enough um so i had like a long uh situation with eating disorders um they got quite enhanced when i started to dance when people would constantly look at my body performing it was it was very triggering for me um the like the negative body image just got stronger and with that the habits felt like more out of control um and that was like a huge it's funny because i always had this thought in the back of my head especially when I was achieving, you know, or, or just doing a lot of what I actually loved. And I said, Oh, my God, like, if I can, if I can do this, like, I can actually like make a living doing what I love. While I have like all this self hate going on here, imagine what I can do when I like, you know, let that go and allow love. Um, and I think the last, especially the last two years have really, really shown me that. But it was, it was a long, um, I felt like dragging something with me completely, you know, um, I don't want to say, it's not unnecessary, that's not the word, but like self maybe created <laughs> um, from these negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, so that was huge. Overcoming that was huge. I reached out for a lot of help. Um, I, I always always hit it very well. It wasn't noticeable, like you know, no one could really tell. But it was it was like 
a big part of my everyday life. So um, asking for help, being honest about it, just talking about it <laughs> was, there was so much shame um, in me, especially because, you know, I felt like, oh my God, like you work with your body, you're supposed to like know how to take care of yourself, you know, and like I, I didn't. And just sharing that with others and starting to talk about it and asking for help has been huge. And mm -hmm receiving the help <laughs> mm -hmm. so what are the uh foundations to how you take care of your body today um first of all like just saying nice things to myself whether that's out loud or in my head really helps like we said celebrating small things that i do like even if it's I don't know, have a glass of water. Great. You know, your body felt like it needed a glass of water and you gave it water. Good for you. So that has been huge. Um, and then, you know, adequate sleep, um, moving, stretching, that's more like in the eating healthy, mainly, you know, like unprocessed stuff. That's more like in the practical side. Um, but the mindset side is like just you know celebrating more every every small thing that i do that is good and not understanding that i'm human and if i make a mistake or whatever like it's not a mistake it's just i don't know <laughs> like it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be perfect i think that has been uh, huge for me like i had mm -hmm. an expectation of um me having to be perfect my choreography having to be perfect my diet having to be like everything had to be perfect or it wasn't and i've been really able to let go of that and be like hey like it is what it is we're gonna always be working towards it being better because that's the way i am like I've, i always work towards um you know allowing things to improve and grow and i really have like that growth kind of mindset so acknowledging that and being like it's okay wherever you are today you are today and I trust the process and I trust that I am where I have to be and I trust that um you know I'm, I trust in myself to follow through and do what I need to do that was mm -hmm. I went like somewhere else with this question but, no know. that no that's great and so I commend you for loosening your grip on control and embracing what is and appreciating that so we've talked about how you've overcome the pandemic, how you've overcome body image issues. Um, are there any other challenges that you would like to speak of and let us know how you overcame those as well as we move to the mental one, which you say is your biggest challenge, um, or you could go to that yeah, one right I away. think mental has been the biggest challenge. I think I was, another challenge for me has been just staying really caught up in anger and like with the past, um, especially towards like my parents, I, I was feeling a lot of anger. It probably got enhanced, you know, when they didn't really support my career. And, and at some point in my life, I realized I was fighting more against that than actually creating what I wanted, you know? And, and having that shift and saying, hey, I'm wasting all this energy fighting against this that already happened that, you know, I can't change that they're entitled to their opinions because they have different, different experience and understanding of life. Instead of me fighting against that, why don't I just focus on actually creating what I do want? And then, you know, whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
so that has been that has been another challenge I, I feel like I was very like upset and just holding on to to that and when I was able to focus more on what I wanted to create than staying stuck in like a victim mode past it it helped and mm -hmm. like I started to feel happier <laughs> which is, was the first like manifestation or the first effect you know just feeling happier mm -hmm. and then that brings us to your biggest challenge on the journey and that's overcoming your mental block your mental barriers can you elaborate yeah. and explain how um, you've overcome that or you're in the process of doing so yes i'm definitely in the process but i do feel like i'm i'm on the right process so um it feels true i think as i mentioned before the biggest uh mental like block that i had was i'm not enough and like just a mix of not enough and unworthy um i i've always like held myself to extremely high standards in in a lot of stuff and and i my mind was not allowing me to be unless i was in that standard so and like funny enough the more i did that the less i was there you know like <laughs> because it was like resistance um so i think i've had to you know really just catch myself when i'm saying negative things about myself in my head and understand like okay how can we say this differently how can i understand this differently how is this not true like or is this true um you know and what proof do i have that like i can make things i can change things if i want that's you know another big thing um but definitely yeah overcoming the like i'm not enough and i'm not deserving of this has been huge Mm -hmm. and I work through it every day it's like meditation a lot of meditation a lot of like self-talk being your own cheerleader um and noticing stuff I think when you when you open your mind to um you know when you start to feel more worthy and more loving and and more like a, accepting of yourself you start to notice things too and I take things a lot as signs so maybe like if one day I'm like feeling kind of a, and someone tells me, Oh my God, I love, I don't know, whatever that you did. Um, I, I love that move that you did in the video. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I take that as a sign of like, almost like not as a compliment directed at me, but as a sign that like, okay, remember to treat yourself good because what you're doing can have a very, very significant impact and you never know who you're impacting. So by me being happier and more loving towards myself, allows me to create more loving things for the world. And I never know who that can help. Mm -hmm. So there's like almost a, a sense of like responsibility, but like a light, beautiful responsibility. It doesn't feel as heavy as it did before because mm -hmm. I stopped making it all about me <laughs> in a way and more yeah. about us. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Um, on this journey, on this journey, you've had a lot of really exciting opportunities. And one I'd like to take a stop on and just examine a little bit is your time in Argentina. You said you were there for 14 years yes. um, before returning to Canada. That's a huge amount of time. So let's talk about Argentina. 
how, what did you learn in Argentina and how is life different in Argentina than it is in Canada? <laughs> um, so I went to Argentina. My parents are both Argentinian um, and they, you know, they immigrated to Canada. They actually met here, but at some point they decided to go back in my childhood and I went along. <laughs> so it wasn't really a choice. Um, Argentina really opened my mind in so many ways. The reality there is very different from the reality that I was experiencing here in Toronto um, in, a lot of, in a lot of senses. It's a beautiful country. Um, I really loved the, there's more like even like a openness or vulnerability that is almost, I don't know, I, I like it. I, I see that here in Canada too, but I think I, started to understand it more when I was there than before in my previous years here in Canada. So it really opened me up to that. But I think I was not in a in a very good mental place while I was there. Um, there was a lot of just commotion going on in, in my home. I felt very unsafe there. It's definitely not the safest country in the world. Um, but I just felt really unsafe all the time, like always on guard, always um, stressed. The economy was not the greatest. There were like a bunch of stuff that I think I was not, um, I was probably not in the right mindset. So my, there's still maybe some work to do <laughs> with my experience in Argentina and like maybe even healing that. Um, I, I love the country. It's just, not for me and at some point I I said you know what like I was really kind of felt like I was going against the flow the whole time just trying to push on like my artistic career there and um and continuously like receiving no 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 back and I needed a total shift of space so I literally moved from like the south to the north um and came back but it is a, it's a, it's a beautiful place. I think it's living in different places, especially when you're younger, opens your mind a lot. Like, I felt like I went to, I went from like, you know, I had a, this almost little like perfecty life here in Canada. And I went there and it felt like I was thrown in the middle of the jungle, <laughs> like, you know, um, and I learned a lot. I really, really learned a lot. And I really started to value things that I maybe never paid attention to. And it's funny because um, even coming back to Canada, there's some things that maybe, you know, you can take for granted, but seeing that they're not granted to everyone in every part of the world is huge to just mm -hmm. recognize that. Mm -hmm. So when did you leave Canada? At what age and what age did you return back to Canada? I was 10 when I left Canada and I came back when I was 24. Okay. So yeah, I came back in the middle just to visit a few times and I was like nine months in Canada when I was 16. But yeah, when I was 24, I, I kind of officially moved back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you use social media as a way to promote um, your dancing um, and your studio. 
I've just watched the documentary, um, The Social Dilemma, which talks about like the negative effects of social media, which are there. So how do you balance needing to use social media for your career um, and maintaining boundaries in that? So let's talk about that, social media. Awesome, that's a great great question. Um, It's been a learning process again for me. I I at some point got really caught up in the comparison mode that social media can trick you into. And as soon as I caught myself in that, it was like, okay, I need a little distance and see how I can approach this differently. So I, my intention is always to use it more as a creator than a consumer. doesn't mean it always goes that way, but Uh, What I mean by that is like me creating content and posting it and sharing it and not so much like scrolling through it. Um, What's helped me in in terms of boundaries with that has been, first of all, like not following too many people and really just checking with myself and not feeling guilty about it. I think there's like guilt with like, oh, you follow me and I don't follow you and like follow, follow, follow. And it's like, this is ridiculous, you know, like. Um, it's my, my own like mental health we're talking about. So if I don't want to look at your pictures, it's not personal, like, and same thing with me. Like if someone, you know, doesn't follow me or whatever, like, I don't really care. (laughs) Um, there's like people that, you know, I I connect with on the daily that don't even have social media and that's great. Um, it doesn't change anything. So that has been one aspect, just like really putting limits there. Um, another thing that helped me, I'm answering more like the negative side, I'll get to the positives in a bit. <laughs> um, another thing that's really helped me is, um, again, like with the comparison mode, acknowledging when I'm getting into that mode, like if I'm seeing another dancer and being like oh I think she dances better than me and then like again like you're not enough you're and it's like no let's get away from this um putting the limit there and another thing that has come up for me and my use of social media is the need for validation so I I do have to check in and ask myself sometimes like okay am I posting this because um I really want to share a positive message or I want to share a dance video or I want to promote my video or am I posting this because I need like an ego boost, you know, and I'm not, you know, placing judgment on one thing or the other, but for me, it's been important to notice that and just to be like, okay, today I want, you know, people to, I want to feel like, I don't know, whatever, someone likes my picture and then like really ask myself, okay, why is this important to me? Why? you know, what is a change about my self-worth if like one person likes it or five people like it, like there's no difference. Um, so I've had to sit with that quite a bit, just like really, I feel like at some point I had fallen into that trap of like, I wouldn't say looking for validation, but maybe expecting some form of validation from social media and also recognizing that is not the place So um, that has been huge, but on the upside, super upside, it has helped me a lot with promoting my classes, with promoting my studio, with sending positive messages. Like I really like to write. I've had people, you know, message me and say, oh my God, I read your post and it helped me so much. I was feeling depressed. Like that is worth it all, (laughs) honestly. 
or you know someone even like small things like I sometimes get messages like oh wow I love the song that you used what's that song called and it's like yay I was able to give you like a nice song for you to listen to or a song that you know fills your heart with joy and that makes me really happy Mm-hmm. so and business-wise it's it's helpful like you know it, it gives you more exposure um it helped me both with the studio and the performance side just people contacting me they're like hey you know I want to take your classes or hey I have a you know I'm getting married and can you perform at my wedding because they saw me there so it's yeah, thank you. yeah no thank you so much for that I think that was a really great authentic vulnerable response um, that I really appreciated. <laughs> Um, so through it all, through all the highs and lows, that is life. What has been your greatest life lesson learned on your path thus far? And how have you incorporated that into your being? Hmm. <laughs> okay. I'm going to, I'm having these thoughts. Like, is it the greatest is not, but right now I think in my heart, I feel yeah. believe in yourself is probably the the one that has served me the most um mm-hmm. I don't know if believe in yourself but believe like just you know believe that things are possible believe that you can do it that has been a lesson that and the way I learned it is really like the moments that I started to believe and open my mind to the possibility that something could be real it was you know with time with with whatever process that had to happen in the middle, but eventually it was real. So uh, I started then to get proof of that. And it's like, hey, okay, this is powerful, you know, and me believing is going to help me enjoy the process because it's like, okay, this, you know, I can totally do this. This will be done at some point. Let's have fun today while I'm working towards that, Um, which is huge, which just brings, you know, life to a whole different level of experience um and you get to like experience and enjoy just little things also so yeah believe (laughs) or believe in yourself for Mm -hmm. both (laughs) how would you help your students a friend a family member someone you care about that doesn't believe in yourself how would you help them align themselves to that lesson hmm um I would probably start with small practices, like, for example, celebrating things that you do. Um, That would be good. Like, I would also maybe start with having them write down. (laughs) I wonder who would ever be up for this, but (laughs) that's what I would do. Maybe write down um, areas in which they believe they can do something and it is, right? Like, I think we all have areas and like, yeah, I can totally, you know, uh, whatever, pay my phone bill. And like you pay your phone bill every month because, you know, you can do it. Like there's no, um, there's no disbelief, but maybe there is. And so you don't pay it every month, you know? So just like, even the smallest thing like that, um, I would, I would have them write down that and just start noticing, like noticing how many things they believe and happen and they believe and happen, they believe and happen, how it's been like that their whole life. And then just, um, 
maybe maybe suggest like some books or videos or just listening to positive things I think has it's really helped me a lot too um mm -hmm. like consuming positive content I think we're you know we can be if we choose to be we can be bombarded quite easily with negative content and yeah yeah and like, a few of those you mentioned that you would recommend are Wayne Dyer's work Joe Dispenza anyone else um Abraham Hicks has been huge for me um I really really like her her videos like her uh, I've read probably not finished. I don't think I ever finished one of her books. Um, but listening really like puts me in a good mood, makes me smile. Um, so I would like that. It might be a little too far, like too airy fairy for someone who's never <laughs> uh, been with that. So in that case, I would probably start with Joe Dispenza, maybe because it's more mm -hmm. like, sounds a little more like scientific, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think those three. I can't think of more, but I'm sure there's like so many more. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you mentioned how mental health and attending to your mental health is so important. And you have a very solid self-care routine. You mentioned uh, meditation is a big part of that. I know journaling is a part of that. So let's just describe and just give an overview to our listeners about your self-care routine, um, morning routine, nighttime wind down routine and essential daily habits and routines that you use throughout your day to ensure that you show up as your best self for yourself and in turn, everyone around you. Awesome. Um, so I, I started, first I used to meditate only at night and now I'm doing like morning and night. So that is key for me. Like I start my day with meditation. I end my day with meditation, whatever happens in between, like sometimes changes, but that is like key. Um, so in the morning, I usually do silence meditation. So I just sit in silence. I set a timer for whatever, depending on the time I have, usually 15 minutes or up. Um, I set a timer and I just like sit or lie down in silence and stay there and see what comes up and like really um you know observe my thoughts let them pass um do my best to not place judgment that has been huge um so I start like that um and at night I tend to do more guided meditations so I, I really shift towards them kind of I've allowed myself a little bit of space there I used to be like I have to do this meditation and now I'm more like oh, today I feel like doing this or that and allowing a little bit of that has been great um I don't have a very strict schedule throughout my day because I noticed that I need my mind to be a little more like flowy in the day I think maybe the creative side of me comes out better I have things that I do every day. Um, I drink a lot of water. That's like key for me. Like I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I love water. Um, I move every single day. Like um, there's not a day that doesn't go by without me moving usually for about an hour, maybe more some days, much more. <laughs> if I'm like teaching or performing, it's usually much more than that. But um, dance practice, I show up, even if it's um, I don't know, 20 minutes, but I show up to dance every day. Um, 
I can't think of anything else. I try to eat, like I said, mainly unprocessed stuff, but it's not like a rule. I don't follow any diet, which has been very liberating for me. <laughs> um, and yeah, I would say that's it. And, and social moments, sorry, that's another super huge one. Like I, I really make an effort every day to either reach out to a friend or a family member, or just talk to people that I love or whatever time it is, it really like, it's good for my soul. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for this conversation, Gabriella. I've learned um, a lot more about you and I'm sure we've inspired a lot with this conversation. So to, thank to close, yeah, you're welcome. To close all episodes, um, I ask a few questions to all guests and it's time for those now. So <laughs> in, three in three words, how, yeah. would you how would you describe the experience you are having on this earth? In three words. Um, I would say an expanding, beautiful journey. Yeah, expanding, beautiful journey. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Good. No, that feels right. So now for the next question. So I believe we all have the power to be magicians and I'm going to channel my inner magician and I'm going to transport us into the future. I'm going to take us to the future where we're alongside an 85 year old Gabriella Carnavalli. Um, what does life look like for 85 year old Gabriella and what is the legacy that you've left behind? Awesome. Uh, life is beautiful. <laughs> She's like the cutest old grandma <laughs> and has like the cutest old grandpa uh, living with her. <laughs> um, I think my life would be full of like time in nature. That's for sure. Dance. I can see myself in a house that has a dance studio on the second floor with a big window and I can just see like nature outside. I would definitely still see myself dancing around um, in that studio at 85. I intend to uh, move for as long as, as I can. Um, definitely, I feel like I would love at that age to inspire more with my communication um so maybe I'm writing a book or you know doing like a TED talk or something or just like communicating um and I think the legacy that I left behind has been a lot of smiles on people's faces where they you know just my presence or my dance has brought a lot of joy for their events for their guests for their students I want to leave a legacy of dancers who have achieved their dreams because maybe I helped in a way or assisted in any way and a group of artists who really went for their win because um, they saw this 85 year old now go for hers <laughs> Beautiful. So let's, let's spend a few more moments here with this 85 year old Gabriella. Um, I really want you to picture her in your mind and feel her in your heart. Um, you see her smiling. She's alongside her partner out in nature. 
in the house of the dance studio on the second floor, still moving, still mobile, a master communicator who's inspired dancers to achieve their wins, go for their goals. So do you, you feel her in your heart? Yes. Do you see, do you see her in your mind? The cutest. Okay. And then I'm going to bring us back. I'm going to bring us back to 2021. I'm not going to just leave us there in the future. I'm going to bring us back to the now, Gabriella. And that 85-year-old smiling Gabriella sends you a message. What does she whisper to you? Keep going. You're on your way. Yeah, for sure. I think she, she'd say that. <laughs> that I'm on my way. I, I definitely feel like I'm on my path. And I think she agrees, <laughs> which is nice. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Where could listeners find you that are interested in following you along? Awesome. Um, they can find me on social media at Gabriella Belly Dancer. Gabriella spelled with one L. And I'm there on Instagram at Gabriella Belly Dancer, Facebook, YouTube, and my website, GabriellaBellyDancer.com, and also Abundance Belly Dance on Instagram for the studio and for classes. Excellent. And to close, to close all episodes, we bring our fist up and we bring it into the winner circle for digital. I love fist it. Up. It's a Yay. choice. It's a choice Yay. that we all could do. Thank so, you so much for this conversation. Absolutely. To many more. Yes, definitely. And Thank that, you. You're welcome. And that is a wrap on today's episode. Yay.